Welcome to Sounding Off with Kim Munson. This is our podcast where we are able to delve into many of these issues a little bit deeper. Uh, and we think that's important to do so with uh, all the things that are going on in our country right now. Be sure and check out my website. That is Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. And you can email me at Kim at Kim Munson dot com as well. And thank you to each and every one of you who are contributing and uh, supporting us uh, so that we keep our independent voice out there as we are looking at these issues, searching for truth and clarity. I am thrilled to have on the line with me Brian Wooldridge, and uh, he is uh, formerly with the District Attorney's Office in Los Angeles, uh, California, and Brian is, is concerned about what is happening with the uh, new DA, that is George Gascon, uh, and what is happening there. So, Brian, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm privileged to be here. And uh, you have been involved with the district attorney's office for how long? Well, a total of uh, almost uh, 45 years. I uh, was a, a line prosecutor for 36 years, and then I retired, and then I went back to the office on a part-time basis working on parole cases for another uh, nine years approximately. Now, uh, you are no longer with the DEA's office at this time, correct? Well, I'm uh, technically I'm suspended because the unit that I was working in uh, was unf- unfunded, dis- defunded, so um, I'm, I'm still technically on the they rolled over there, but uh, no longer working. Okay, and why are you concerned? Uh, well, let, let's talk a little bit about George Gascon. Am I saying his name correctly? I believe that's how he pronounces it, yes. Okay, and he was elected to become the district attorney in Los Angeles just recently, correct? Yes, December 7th of uh, 2020. Okay. Now, I have watched a number of these district attorney uh, candidates and races, and uh, what we had seen out here in Colorado, that George Soros had actually come in and he's uh, tried to defeat uh, a district attorney four years ago and get one of his uh, his people in, and he was not successful at that time. But this last election cycle, he was successful with that particular election in getting a Soros-funded DA in place. And we've seen in many of the cities throughout the United States where there are Soros-supported um, DAs that it's, it's looking like these DAs are pro-criminal and anti-victim. And certainly, I believe in second chances for, for folks, but this looks like this is uh, going to actually hurt different communities. What are you seeing there in Los Angeles now that George Gascon is the uh, district attorney? Well, uh, generously, I would say most of the people in our office, we've got 1,000 prosecutors in our office. It's the largest uh, prosecution unit in the country, uh, local prosecution unit in the country, and uh, they're viewing it as a disaster. It's chaos uh, for a number of reasons. Yes, he was supported by George Soros and several other billionaires. Uh, they raised a total of $12 uh, million to uh, his campaign. Wow. 
that is really difficult to to uh, in an election. I mean, that is a ton of money. So, twelve million dollars. George Cascone won that election. You said that um, the prosecutors are saying that there's uh, it, the office is really in disarray. What is going on with that, uh, Brian? Well, on the first day, uh, on December seventh, uh, uh, Gascon issued a series of directives, uh, basically trying to rewrite the entire penal code. Um, he he has never been a practicing attorney. I, I should should tell you, um, and some of the things that he ordered his prosecutors to do are viewed by the prosecutors as illegal. Uh, the prosecutors' union. Uh, the Association of Deputy District Attorneys, they sued him, tried to get an injunction to stop him from from ordering them to do things that they thought were unethical and illegal. And actually they won. Uh, they got an injunction against him on some of these issues. And um, he responded by uh, trying to intimidate and retaliate against some of the leaders of that group, uh, some of the people who had he thought were... Um, were um, insubordinate in, in refusing to follow these rules. Uh, I don't think he had an understanding that uh, to retaliate for that, that may be a violation of the labor laws. So people are suing uh, over that as well. And what he's done is he's got, he has brought in a bunch of people from outside the district attorney's office, some of whom are not prosecutors and some are uh, were public defenders who were uh, very active in his campaign and were known uh, to be big supporters of uh, anti-police movements around the country and has put those people in positions of authority in the DA's office. And that has created a great deal of resentment. And uh, one of those people, a, a woman in particular, uh, did something that was viewed by uh, other uh, other district attorneys as being unethical and they filed a grievance against her for that and and what that was was she she came into a case and took over a case that another prosecutor had been working on and it turned out that she had defended the the uh, defendant when she was a public defender so it was viewed as uh, and she got a, a an agreement uh, for seven year commitment on a murder case which is was outrageous but uh, that, now, what that what what does that mean? What does that mean to a layperson? A seven-year commitment in a murder case. What does that mean, Brian? Well, Gascon has it has it uh, an idea that nobody should be in prison for very long. Uh, he thinks the most anybody should be in prison for murder is uh, fifteen years, and he's ordered his people uh, to take uh, plea deals and to to offer plea deals with that at the top. Now, a second-degree murder case where there is no use of a weapon would call for a sentence of 15 years to life. That's, that's the, uh, the set amount in the penal code. First degree carries 25 years to life. Uh, so he's basically cutting that in half. And then you have parole that comes into it, and they become eligible for parole, parole before that seven years comes up. So to the victims... Uh, they're looking at the person who killed their uh, loved one being out possibly in as early as five years uh, in some cases. So, yeah, it, uh, there, there's a group of victims 
who are protesting and have asked for uh, meetings with Gaston, he's refused to do that and said he'll he'll provide them with some sort of counseling, which just has infuriated them even more. Um, so yeah, that, in answer to your question, it's uh, it's really chaotic. the 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 other thing that he's done is that he has wiped out all the special enhancements. That means. Uh, in a typical murder case where you, where a gun is used, there's a gun enhancement that adds more time. Uh, he's wiped out gang enhancements uh, that uh, if you can prove that the that the defendant was a member of a gang, a street gang, uh, that adds more time. Um, and he's wiped out a lot of the um, the other special enhancements, basically all special enhancements. That, that would add to the person's sentence. So uh, he's 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 doing things that he cannot do, according to the judges, some of the judges at least, by trying to rewrite the penal code. And who wrote the penal code? How did that come to be? Well, the penal code has been in existence since uh, California became a state in 1850, and of course it gets amended all the time. And that's done by the legislature, the state legislature. Uh, and there are, of course, there are there are times when court decisions change what what is allowed in the penal code. Um, I can give you a perfect example of how that happens. Uh, I used to do parole hearings going all the way back to the 1970s, and pretty much we the hearing was held and focused on what was the man's crime or what was the woman's crime. And in 2007, the Supreme Court ruled in a case called Inouye Lawrence that a parole hearing could no longer focus on what the crime was, that after the person has served a certain amount of time, the only factor that uh, can be considered is uh, whether or not uh, the person has been rehabilitated. And you have to make that decision without reference to the, the seriousness of the crime. And there are limited exceptions to that if you can prove that uh, that there is some still genu- some continuing issue with the crime. So that was changed. The penal code was basically changed by a uh, court decision, and that that's fairly common. But none of that has happened to to uh, effectuate what uh, Mr. Gaston is doing here. So, in essence, uh, you said the penal code has been. Uh... Uh, since uh, California came into existence in 1850, the state legislature will um, make legislation on that, and then sometimes the court becomes involved. But George Gascon has just come in, and he is just totally disregarded all of that from what I think you're telling me. Is that correct, Brian? He's he's he is wiping out a, a vast portion of the penal code with his special directives. What he's ordering is his prosecutors to do. Uh, the, the injunction that I mentioned earlier uh, involved uh, him telling people to go into court and dismiss cases and dismiss charges that had been, uh, that, that were part of the arraignment or part of the, the charging documents against the, the, uh, the defendant. And anything that would add time to uh, the basic sentence uh, was was supposed to be dropped, and that is that is not allowed unless you can prove that it's in the interest of justice. 
And in one particular case, a judge who, who heard this, the, the DA came in and moved to dismiss all these charges in the interest of justice. The judge wanted to know why. Well, what is it that makes this in the interest of justice? Because there was a lot of uh, time that was being changed. And the DA who had been sent in by Gaston was not the prosecutor who had the, the case, who had been working on the case. He, he couldn't uh, give any good reason, so the judge refused to do it. And that was one of the, 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 the uh, cases that was involved in getting this injunction against him. So the current law right now, that injunction is in effect. So Gaston is trying to go around that by, uh, by other means, dropping the charges later, making deals um, with, uh, with, with the defendant. I'll give you another example of what he's doing. Most most crimes that, that are not uh, murders or what you call life uh, sentences carry uh, three possible sentences. They call it the mid, the low term, the midterm, and the high term. Um, let's just say that, uh, if, and I'm not even sure what the numbers are on this, but let's say that robbery, for example, would carry three years, four years, and five years. It's actually more than that, I believe, but the middle term being four. Uh, under the penal code, at a sentencing hearing, the judge is supposed to start out with the middle term, the midterm, and then look at what the aggravating circumstances are, look at what the mitigating circumstances are, and decide whether or not it should be lowered to the low term or raised to the high term. Well, one of Gascon's directives is that we're always going to start at the low term on every case, regardless of the uh, the facts of the case. Uh, he wants he wants to lower all commitments to prison in time. Now, is this Brian Woldridge? Uh, is this because George Gascon is uh, really compassionate and that he cares about these people? Or what's your thoughts on that? I know that's a subjective question, uh, but is is the, is he doing this out of compassion? Well, he's given a number of reasons why he's doing this. And my opinion is he, he's just a radical, and he's a, he's basically a tool of Soros and the other people that are, are behind him. He had been the district attorney in San Francisco before coming to Los Angeles, and uh, he was so unpopular there because of these policies that the mayor, who was herself a, a liberal Democrat, and uh, her name was London Breed, she campaigned against him when he decided to run in Los Angeles. Uh, she was not wow. supportive of him. But, um, yeah, he's given a bunch of different reasons. He thinks that there is systemic racism, for example, and he thinks that most of the people in prison are uh, minorities, and he thinks that's why they're in prison. And another reason that he's given is that he has what well, he is a term scientific evidence that uh, the longer you're in prison, the less likelihood there is that you'll, you'll become rehabilitated. And for that scientific uh, evidence, he has cited a bunch of uh, studies that were supposedly done by law professors and other special interest groups, all of whom had that as their agenda to do away with prisons and do away with uh, prison terms. So, yeah, I, I don't know where he's coming from, actually, if that's really what he believes, but that's what he's saying. I don't buy it. I think okay. he's a radical. You know, I I think he's wrong about about his assumptions. So, you know, that, that's well, the point. 
Well, let's think about this. Uh, whenever we start to put criminals back out on the street uh, without rehabilitation, uh, but just this, we make our communities more dangerous. And what about the victims? Now, the victims, I'm sure, are uh, all the descriptors that we have, different races and ethnicities. And those crimes have been committed against them as well as, you know, just across the spectrum. Um, but it's making our communities more dangerous. And uh, I tell you what, if I'm a, a mom in an inner city in Los Angeles, I'm going to want to have the safety of a, a police presence. And I also want to know that criminals are not being put back out on the street just arbitrarily, because that is going to make it more dangerous for me, my children, my family. And I'm very concerned about what's happening there. We're seeing it happen in many of these cities uh, that have uh, Soros supported uh, DAs. Brian, your thoughts, because I think it is making our communities more dangerous. Well, um... I definitely believe that, and the, the facts prove it out that uh, the crime rate has skyrocketed in Los Angeles, especially the violent crimes. He has done away with bail, or he's tried to. Actually, bail is uh, set by the court, but typically the district attorneys recommend bail, and he has basically ordered uh, district attorneys not to set bail and not to ask if bail be set. So some judges have decided, well, they're not going to buy that anyway. But in large part, uh, people who are charged with uh, serious crimes are being released right away on bail, without bail, I mean. And, um, yeah, I think it has made the, the, the uh, community more uh, unsafe. I think people are getting out of prison where they have not been fully rehabilitated, uh, he is forgetting that, that the penal code stands for penalty, that it's the first part of it is to punish. And he doesn't uh, believe in that. Uh, we do. We think that you cannot be fully rehabilitated unless you have some sort of punishment. He, with respect to the victims, uh, that was something that was very important to me when I was uh, doing my parole hearing because by law, again, by, by the penal code, the district attorneys are, are uh, the only people who are allowed to be at the parole hearings, uh, with the exception of the inmate, the, his lawyer or her lawyer, and the victim. But, and that was established by, a, by another law that was put into effect called Marcy's Law, where the, vic the victims are now allowed to be at those hearings. But they don't get any of the documents that the district attorney gets. Uh, they don't get the psychiatric report that is done. They don't get his record in prison uh, to see if he's been misbehaving. And they don't have any right to challenge anything he says at the hearing, whether, you know, if he's lying or uh, saying things that, that cannot be backed up. And uh, the district attorneys do. Well, Gascon has decided we're never going to appear at any more parole hearings. So he's taken that away from the victims. We were there to speak for the victims. Now nobody can nobody can do that. They, they're allowed to bring a representative, but they, that person, again, is handicapped, not having any of the information available to them, mm -hmm. uh, not being allowed to speak. When I went as a, as a prosecutor, 
Uh, I couldn't cross-examine the victim. Uh, excuse me, I couldn't cross-examine the inmate. But we could ask questions that, for the panel to ask the inmate. So in a sense, you were able to cross-examine the inmate. And if he was lying about something and you had knowledge of it, you could show it. You could challenge the psychiatric report because I had time to prepare and look at what the, the uh, psychologist or psychiatrist had considered and had not considered. And um, the victims can't do that. So they are definitely being being ignored by Mr. Gaskell. And like I said, he's refused to meet with them and, and has made this insulting comment that he, he's going to su- supply them with counseling. Let's just think about that, that the victim has been a victim of a crime and um, or it could be the family members uh, whose um, loved one was the victim of a crime. And instead of him seeking justice, he is telling them he will provide counseling for them. And that is it's just really beyond belief. Now, Brian, I I believe in second chances. I, I do believe that 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 is important but i also believe in justice because just uh, not uh, i mean there is a, there is a penalty for crime yeah there's a responsibility for that and if we start to take that away it's like uh, i mean i mean a kid that is never ever disciplined it's never good for them and so a society that does doesn't discipline those that misbehave uh, it's not good for society either um What's your thoughts on that, Brian? Well, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And uh, first of all, uh, the prosecutors are not vindictive. We believe in second chances as well. And uh, especially when I go to parole hearings, there's many times when I'm there. And we only went to parole hearings for people who were life prisoners, who had committed murder or uh, rape or something else that would, would end up in a life sentence. But... Most of the people that I see have had second and third and fourth and fifth chances. They don't get to prison in a lot of cases unless they've already had a long record. In uh, California, one of the other things that you can charge, if a person, that we had the three strikes law. So if a person is in prison on his third serious felony or violent felony, uh, you can add more time to the, to the, the, uh, and Gascon has, has basically decided he's not going to enforce the three strikes law either. And if a person isn't a third striker, let's say he has one count in his record of armed robbery. That's that's a, a prior offense that can be charged as part of his criminal sentencing, and that could add five or ten years more to his sentence. Well, Gascon has decided that we're not going to charge any more prior offenses. So, yeah, we, we believe in second chances, and I've seen it when I've seen people who have gotten with the program once they get to prison and have uh, shown a lot of remorse and have uh, taken courses in prison and gotten psychiatric uh, help, um, you name it, all the things that people do. Substance abuse is often a big thing for inmates, and uh, they've, they've participated in uh, AA or, or NA while they're in prison. Um, sometimes those people get paroled, and I don't, uh, I don't know anybody in my office who gets all upset about that when we lose those hearings. Now, there are times when 
when, you know, we didn't think we should have lost him, but that's the system. But he has basically taken that out of the equation where, where he's assuming that if a guy's been in there five years, he's automatically been rehabilitated. So he, he's presuming that, that uh, he's earned his way out. Not the case. Okay, Brian Boldridge, what do we do? People voted him in. Uh, we need to, first of all, I think, start to have our civic duty and understand who these people are that we're electing into office. But what, what do you think we should do? Well, the um, there's a group in California, in Los Angeles County, that has started a recall petition against him, for one thing. Uh, this is led essentially by victims, people who have been uh, had loved ones murdered or uh, injured in some serious way. And it's uh, also being led by uh, a group of retired or former prosecutors. Um, I don't know how to get in touch with, with them. Um, I don't live in Los Angeles County, so I can't even vote for them. But uh, if that that group, it's called Recall George Gascon, and it, it's on Facebook, I know. And people can contribute or can can. Uh, lend moral support by uh, sending in messages and so forth. There are there's there are some people who, on this issue of the parole hearing, uh, and I have been involved in this to a limited degree, they're going and representing the victims on their own at the, at the prison um, with no no pay, uh, just just uh, going. There's three women that I know of that have been been actively doing this. Uh, some of my victims have contacted me and asked me if I'm willing to go and speak for them, and I'm probably going to do it. Um, these hearings, because of the COVID situation, are all being done now um, virtually with um, with computer hookups. But and so, if I went, I'm not going to have the new documentation. I'm not going to know if the inmate has done any. Uh, committed any offenses in the last two years since his last hearing, and I won't have his current psychiatric report. So I'll be working off what I know from before. So, but it, but somebody uh, at least will be there to speak on behalf of these victims. And I, I know that the victims in many of these cases have appeared for them before. So that's why they've called me and asked me to help out. So, yeah, if if anybody back there is uh is interested wants to get involved with uh, the recall george gascon movement because he's already he's already attacking those people and and lining up support from soros and other people for the next time around but there is a petition going around if you know anybody in los angeles county let them know let them know that this recall is uh, is a potential i think it's a extremely uphill battle but I'd love to see it happen. You know, you you had a the, the incident in Boulder there with your 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 shooting. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can I know you don't have the death penalty in, in Colorado anymore, but just to show you what would would matter with with Gascon, uh, with ten victims, that would be eligible for the death penalty in California. Well, he's decided we're not going to go for the death penalty anymore, but it would also be uh, have the potential because there's multiple victims because one of them was a police officer 
that case could call for life without parole. They they call it LWAP using the the acronym. Uh, he's decided we're not going on any case for life without parole. The man used a gun. You can uh, add the usage of a gun to each of those murders and uh, add more time. So my point is that that happened in Los Angeles County right now. He wouldn't get the death penalty. He wouldn't get be facing life without parole. He wouldn't be facing the use of a gun charge on any of those uh, offenses. He wouldn't face the charge that he had murdered a police officer. And again, I, I'm, I don't know anything about your case back there, about whether or not this person is guilty of any of these things or has psychiatric issues or whatever else is going to enter into it. But if that happened in Los Angeles right now, that's what the victims would be hearing, that that the most we're going to ask for is 15 years in prison, uh, which means he'd be eligible for, for parole and presumed by the district attorney to be, be suitable for parole uh, the first time he comes up. So, yeah, I, I would... I would very much uh, urge anybody who hears about this to try to to try to get the word out. Well, it is very, very important because these DAs with these agendas are making our communities less safe. And then, am I hearing right that this particular, if this uh, this Boulder shooting had actually happened in California, and the person was was convicted the most it would be is 15 years and they might be eligible to get out in five and did i connect that dot is that correct well that if they charged him with the with all the crimes that um they could charge him with in los angeles county and and were successful they could get either the death penalty or life without parole and that's off the table right now in george gascon if that happened in Ventura County or Los Angeles County, or excuse me, Orange County, uh, where I live, um, he'd be looking at that. But yeah, and I, it's not five years. If he if he gets fifteen years, he starts being eligible for uh, uh, parole when he served, I believe, eighty five percent of that fifteen years. And I don't do prison math so well, so that I'm, I could be wrong about that. But typically, when I see somebody that got a, a sentence of 20 years uh he'll he'll i'll see it at around 17 years they start giving him parole uh hearings so yeah he, he's gonna he would be out in los angeles county uh long before the victims are going to be satisfied about it wow brian woldridge i so appreciate you sharing this information with us it's important that we understand it what's your final thought that you'd like to leave with our listeners today well, as you said in your introduction, this is going on all over the country. It's not just uh, Los Angeles. Uh, these people who are behind this movement, and it's you know, it's it's picking up fuel from law professors and and uh, and a lot of uh, groups that uh, want to see prison system change. They want to see shorter sentences. They want to see. Um, they want to see just change. They want to change America. And I think that your point was, was quite valid in that in, in doing that, they're making it unsafe for the the rest of us. And uh, so I, I think that people need to be aware that Soros is doing this. Uh, His family is doing it. 
like I said, he he raised twelve million dollars for this one little race in in Los Angeles County. Uh, two million of it came from his own money, and he got the rest of it from some other billionaires who, who think along his lines. And I, I think it's uh, it, it's really it's really frightening to me um, as a somebody who's been a prosecutor for so long and seen it and seen what it does to the victims. Um, I've, I've talked to people who, 20 years after their loved one was murdered, 25 years. Uh, one case that I have, it's 40 years after the murder of his uh, father. And the victim is still suffering from that. And, and people like Gaskin, Scone, and Soros don't seem to appreciate that. They don't seem to care at all, do they? Brian Woldridge, I so appreciate this conversation, and uh, let's continue to keep an eye on this. And, and again, I'm talking with Brian Woldridge, who... Uh, has done work with the uh, district attorney's office there in Los Angeles for over 45 years. So, Brian, thank you so much. I greatly appreciate it. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. And, uh, my friends, we need to keep uh, keep an eye on all of these important issues out there uh, for the safety of our communities, for the safety of our families, and for the safety of America. So, my friends, thank you for joining us. God bless you, and God bless America.